The poet Mary Oliver once wrote, All night I float in the shallow ponds, while the moon wanders burning, bone white among the milky stems. Oliver is one of the great observers of the stillness of the night, and so is my guest today on the program. In fact, her album, Still Comes the Night, not only tips its hand to Oliver's work, it places her as one of the great night observers as well. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. What a feeling, oh my, in dreams I see her face all All night All the greatest rush Oh wonder I can't get enough This guest today on the program, Allison Sudol. Let me tell you a little bit about Allison Sudol. Truth be told, there's a lot to say about Allison because she's had a very rich and successful career in two different mediums. But I'll keep it short because this conversation is awesome. We have to get to it. A lover of literature and music, the Seattle-born Allison Sudol started crafting her creative path at a young age. Raised by a drama teacher mother and an acting coach father, the arts were always coursing mightily through the Sudol house. So it's no surprise that in her teens, the self-taught pianist created a persona that operated under the sobriquet of Fine Frenzy. A Fine Frenzy released a power trio of albums, including 2007's A Cell in the Sea, 2009's Bomb in the Birdcage, and 2012's Pines. A Fine Frenzy played South by Southwest, toured Europe, opened for everyone from the Stooges to Rufus Wainwright, and had international hits in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. But in spite of that success, by 2011, Allison announced that A Fine Frenzy had been summarily put to bed. From there, Allison decided to focus on her acting, joining the cast of Transparent and later the program Dig. Then, in 2016, she got cast as Queenie Goldstein in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. She went on to appear in the subsequent Fantastic Beasts movies, The Crimes of Grindelwald and The Secrets of Dumbledore. Returning to music in 2018, Allison put out two marvelous EPs, Moon and Moonlight. Then, in September of this year, she put out Still Comes the Night, her first full-length album under her own name. Spellbinding, captivating, and utterly riveting, Still Comes the Night is redolent with loss, grief, dreams, magic, 
introspection, and love. It's a remarkable album that's filled with poetic finesse, a quiet velocity, and devastating melodic beauty. From her home in London, Allison and I had a great chat. It's honest, it's vulnerable, and it's philosophical. Oh, and there's mochi. That's right, the consumption of mochi does happen during the course of this interview. You'll see, here's me and Allison Sudol having a chat, right here, on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I'm a professor, and on Monday, we taught some Mary Oliver, and I thought, I think Allison would be into this class today. Oh, God. She changed my life profoundly. Such an incredible writer, such an incredible mind. And, like, I I have a friend who was friends with her, and he said she was just such such a, like, complex, interesting, rough, like, kind of person she was she wasn't just like walking through the world in some kind of you know like perfect evolved state she was really like someone that was clashing with life and then you can feel that like her her unease but her her just her love of stillness her envy of the natural world just oh yeah magical when did you discover her? Um, I was in my mid twenties, um, and um, yeah, I was through through the friend through, through that friend that um, that knew her, and um, he introduced me to her, Rumi, and Hafiz on the same trip. My whole life was forever altered. Basically, I didn't. I uh, before that point, I didn't understand poetry. Mm. I've, I had only been exposed to sort of like flowery, quite, um, quite, yeah, I don't know, like I can consider it like very literary poetry, you know, um, which is, has its place and is beautiful and elegant, but this just felt like, yeah, words that resonated with my soul and woke me up and made sense. Mm on such a deep level yeah yeah that moment where a writer or or a band uh rings your bell yeah it's a beautiful beautiful moment and when you're younger it happens more frequently i think than when you're older so it's Mm -hmm. you gather up your 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 people you know yeah you do but it's such a treat when somebody introduces you to something when you when you are older when you think you've got your when you think you've got your people and then you read something and you're like oh okay my people has just expanded just slightly yeah 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 because they're out there yeah of course they are and and like it's impossible to have read all the the texts and all the poems and all the writers and yeah i mean thank goodness I know we all have our blind spots because we are devouring the stuff that's so tasty to us, but there's, 
there's other stuff, obviously. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I go through periods of like dry, dry spells where I don't discover anything. I don't really read. Um, and then when I, and I finally something will ignite that, that memory of how just a good book, just somehow a good book will come across my, um, someone will hand me a book or I'll find it on, on a friend's bookshelf or something. And it just, it's like, Oh God, yes. Words, this whole, like, cause I don't know. So, uh, sometimes I feel like I'll, I'll pick up book after book after book and nothing does it for me to the point where I'm just like, well, I don't want to, no, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait for a little while. Yeah. A, a book that is not, um, setting me on fire is i don't know i find i can't continue i i want to and i feel guilty and i feel like i owe it to the writer but i just don't have enough time i know i know <laughs> i know i just finished um station 11 and um right. it's a revelation it's it's the most beautiful book and now i want to find all her work and just read it all so this just oh, happened really yeah yeah oh, i'll have to pick it up that those are the those are the the books that you need those are the ones you know it's it's there's an amazing moment because it's it takes place in this kind of dystopian landscape and there's this traveling um symphony that performs shakespeare right and and the reason why they do it is is they say because survival is insufficient you need art Mm. i just thought whoa Mm. (laughs) that's so Mm -hmm. awesome yeah i often forget i think about the apocalypse a lot (laughs) and i often think about what would i do because i'm pretty much useless in all of the (laughs) the um (laughs) the general survival jobs i think i'd be more of a hazard than anything but that's yeah that's whenever i fall back on you know any kind of hope of being useful in the future apocalyptic world i think i'll be some kind of I don't know. I'd have to sing songs or something. Uh, I'd be eaten. Well, you'd be in the traveling symphony. You'd perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It's good to know. It's good to know that there's already a place. <laughs> there's a place for you. I don't know what I would do. I'd host. I'd host a podcast in the debris. Yeah, great. We need podcasts. <laughs> I mean, we're not far off. <laughs> no, we're not. Um, how is your creative process these days? Are you? Someone pointed out to me that they find that their creativity, they're a writer and it's seasonal, that they find they write more in certain seasons. Mm. Coupled with motherhood, I wonder also what that bundle looks like in your life. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's, it's also seasonal, but not necessarily the external seasons that, you know, it's not, not, not like weather related seasons, but I think it's seasons, um, internal seasons. There's, times where I feel really heavily creative where like everything is sort of bearing fruit um which I've been in recently I've been so creative so my mind's just been worrying and lots of lots of ideas lots of um different creative projects everything kind of at once and then I'll exhaust myself and I'll wear wear myself out and then I have to sort of take some time and I feel like I'm never going to create again. Um, I'll never have any ideas again. And then I don't know, just sort of like stock them up and slowly, slowly they'll kind of build up again until there's enough to come out again. But I don't necessarily find that 
there's a particular season outside that I'm more creative and more connected to well I guess how connected I am to nature really because nature is kind of like a very large part of my creative process so if I'm internal in my head and not really paying attention then um then I won't really notice whatever season I'm in to be honest do you identify more with one season I'm a summer person for sure all my work takes place in the summer I've noticed that Oh really? It's all yeah, it's all summery. Maybe it's my Bay Area upbringing, my California. Oh, <laughs> Bay Area. Uh, you know. Are you still Are you still out there? Yeah, I am. I'm out here in Berkeley, and oh, uh, I'm originally from Marin, grew up in the East Bay, and I and I everything takes yeah. place in the summer. I think all my best stuff happened in the summer in my life. Probably. I know you're from yeah. the Pacific Northwest. I mean, is there? I don't know how it is for you in terms of seasonal identification. I think I've been an autumn person for most of my life like fall and early winter not and I I live in the UK now and post Christmas it's pretty dire <laughs> post Christmas it's pretty horrible um but there's that sort of that change where the leaves start to start to change the weather kind of shifts um and into into that lead up to Christmas, where everything's just getting a bit cozier and tighter. I've, that's when I feel like I want to start creating. Want to um, start looking in, in, internally. When I'm when it's warmer out, I tend to want to be out doing stuff. Generally, I think. But I mean, that's always it's always changing. I made still come the night. Uh, made this record with the boys in in summer that like the highest point of summer and that was incredible and fun and, and sticky the yeah i don't know it just it's, it's a mystery you know creativity can you hear the summer on the album can you hear that i mean i know that you know where it took where it was recorded but can you almost hear hear the heat in certain songs, yeah. The thing about the album is that bones are laid down in in over the course of three or four days, where we wrote the entire album. Uh, but aside from the songs that I had brought in, um, so certain songs like "Playground," which was largely recorded in that time, that definitely has the heat in it. Um, but then certain songs that were more skeletal when we were there in the studio and then we're built afterwards. They have them. They're mingled. They're not just identified with that one space, but yeah, like wasteland. I, I hear this summer and the, mm. the, the, the golden grass clearing also. That's very summer. Yeah. 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 It's definitely in there. I was thinking about what you said earlier about the idea of when the creativity comes that you have to, you have to tend to it right? Because it's coming, it's coming. Um, yeah, yeah. So there must be a kind of frenzied uh, excitement about capturing it all. Um, but then there's the practicality of time. And so how do you tend to your life, your partner and your child at the same time tending to the creativity? Have you figured out how that works when there's a gold rush of material all of a sudden? It's, you know, it's complex. It's not, it's not easy and juggling 
a family juggling these loves you know you want to give everything the fullest part of yourself and and yet when i'm not being creative i'm not at my best emotionally and so you know it, it it's a there is a lot to work out how to balance and i'm still a new mom and we're still a new family so there's we're still figuring it out but i have a really really supportive partner who gets really annoyed with me when i'm not being creative <laughs> not singing he's like what are you doing what are you doing why are you you know i'm like i'm trying to do all the laundry and he's like you're not very good at it <laughs> like <laughs> make music do what you're good at you know he's he's brilliant like that um and so i have that support thankfully because i'm really not the greatest domestically i mean i'm great at like i think i'm pretty good at loving but i'm not that good at this like the practicalities of it so well that's a very supportive partner he's a very supportive partner he's yeah. great he's also an artist himself um he understands you know we kind of trade off and luckily for the most part our creativity is like handoff you know one of us will go really hard and the other one will hold down the fort and then yeah we go back and forth we've just um made a video together that he directed and and was in and i um and i acted in and that was interesting for us to balance our family and thankfully his stepmom came and helped us with our child because otherwise it would have just been <laughs> really hard and his cousin yeah. as well looked after looked after as well so yeah we kind of we kind of figured it out together but that was yeah that was a lot <laughs> it's pretty cool though i mean was that your first um like sort of um, artistic collaboration together officially yeah he shot yeah. the he shot um the the vhs for peaches as mm. well um and he took the pictures that um ended up being the single artwork for wasteland so mm. he's done a lot but it's hasn't been official it's been us kind of doing things um here and there this was like this is going to be the first time that we're making something um directly from us to the world as opposed to yeah he hasn't been credited on those other things he didn't want mm. to be for my own writing um there isn't much time to get to it until the semester mm. kind of is over but yeah. when i was younger i remember i had so much time and i wasted so much time not oh writing God, i know right <laughs> yeah do you think back and go like wow like there was a lot i mean you were pretty productive but you know I don't know. No. I thought I was so busy. And now I just look back and I'm like, you had no idea <laughs> what busy is. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so much that, you know, you discover. I mean, you have to be much more efficient with your time when you're a parent. Um, and that's not a bad thing. And also... I used to just spend, I wasted so much time. I don't know about you, but I wasted so much time just like waffling, doubting myself, um, destroying the things that I made. But now I don't have time and I have deadlines and I have people that need to like need these things. So I can't really be as self-sabotaging 
as effectively as I used to, which is really popular. <laughs> when you say destroying the things that you made, were you, do you mean in the actual art, the artistic process you would sort of build yeah. and tear down? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much art that I've made that I haven't released. It's stupid. So much music I've made that I've destroyed before the final um you know like things are getting mixed and then i'm just like ah no it's not right and i just tear it down tear it down tear it down and and then you know the time for that music passes and then it's really difficult to release it much later because mm. it's of a time and it it needed to come out then and um what ends up happening and what has happened is i've had this like enormous creative junk pile things that just should have been allowed to live even if they weren't perfect they should have just i should have just given them out and then moved on but instead they're just sitting around like clutter you know and i don't really know what to do with them and uh it takes up energy just like clutter does in your house right so um there's this um that that book, that Elizabeth Gilbert book. Do you know that one, Big Magic? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, where she talks about how you have to, you have to answer the door or whatever when creative creativity is knocking. Yeah. So otherwise, it'll go knock on someone else's door. You know, you have to honor it. When you were creating, it was yes, 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 and then there came a moment where you went, oh no, 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 I mean no. Yeah, yeah. So what yeah. happened in between that? in that sort of liminal place between between yes and no, what changed your mind or what made you lose your nerve about, about going forward with that, with that work? I don't know. I mean, it's such a big psychological thing to unpack. It's something that I've been trying to unpack for a long time. I think probably a lot of people have this thing. It's, I don't know if it's, it's that when something is, living in the land of possibility it can be anything it can remain perfect but the minute that you drag it down to some terrestrial thing it's it's going to be imperfect mm -hmm. and that's really hard um i was on a major label with really varied experiences of that label because it was a label that was constantly being bought and sold and bought and sold and people coming in and out and in and out. And so the experience that I had at the very beginning with my first record versus later on and like the people that came in um, kind of advising me were always changing and I was going through a lot of stuff personally. And so I was very confused and conflicted and, um, made decisions that maybe weren't always clear and, and, and things were sort of going wrong. And so I think I also sort of just started to think that things would just automatically go wrong. So mm. I would want to remove myself from the process before it went wrong. But then also by the same token, there were, there were people that were like, we're going to make this so big. We're going to make it so big. We're going to put you in so, such big places. Everything's going to be big. It was always, you know, either 
big or failure. That's kind of like the way that a lot of people in that world operate. And I didn't have robust enough mental or physical health to handle what that meant on my body and on my spirit. So I think also there was part of me that was just like, or not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or nothing, or I'm just gonna, just gonna not do anything. But now I have just such a different life, different mental health uh, awareness and language, different support much older so i'm and just much more pragmatic about things so i think i don't have to maybe kill things the way that i felt like i needed to mm-hmm. yeah i don't know self-sabotage is such a spiky snaky thing isn't it <laughs> what, what it, what's at the bottom of it or you know most things start in childhood which is terrifying as a parent yeah 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 uh it's it's vaporous too because you you never know where it comes from or where it's going to go to or where it might resurface um but you know right you don't know you just it's very mysterious no and 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 what guys it'll come under because it's usually not something obvious otherwise he'd be like oh this is that thing right (laughs) (laughs) this is that thing this is that thing. Even when you go, oh, this is that thing. It seems to sort of get under your skin until there's no room for it. You know, that's what I'm hoping to get to that space. Of yeah. Just like, oh, there's just no room for it under my skin. There's enough good stuff under my skin. This doesn't. It's inconsequential. I think the admixture of agency for yourself pragmatism like you mentioned and the realization that you know time is is a premium yeah i would imagine that would drown the vaporous self-doubt there's no time for self-doubt i mean there's certainly there's there's an there's time for questioning there's time for letting it uh, you, you not be sure if something's good enough and t- and like pushing yourself but i think that the the voice of the voice of seeking to find the the truth of something the truest form of something and the voice of sabotage are you have to kind of learn how to listen to them really closely and learn what's what because they sound quite similar until you, you know, like you you can be hearing thoughts saying, you know, like I've got your best interest in heart, like you suck. So you should just not, you know, you're going to embarrass yourself or whatever, which is, you know, it's not that different than this isn't feeling right. This isn't resonating with this, this element of this isn't resonating with your initial attention. Maybe you might want to look at it. But yeah. But that's, that's examined critical thinking. 
yeah. versus right versus like berating yourself and like self-doubt and saying being you suck. so mean to yourself. Right. right. Because right. critical thinking, there is no you suck in critical thinking. That's how you distinguish the two. Yeah. 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 Totally. Or you can let go. Okay. I hear you suck. Thank you. But like that might be an indicator that there might be something to improve upon. Like you suck as an end. Let's look at the question. Let's start at the beginning rather than because well, you suck. Great. So we're so I just die. Like <laughs> where's the end? Where's the end game of that? Like yeah, yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. When the next time the voice says you suck, I would say, can you expand on that? Yeah. Can you elaborate? Is that not... Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, it's really, it, that's really um, original. Thanks, brain, for, because <laughs> nobody's ever said that before. In the gray blue early hours of the morning, there's frost on the ground. not yet woken You're holding my hand We open the windows We open the door We open the windows We open the door I put on the kettle
my feeling is that you is that you're I don't know this, but I feel like your parents were supportive of your art. I get that feeling. I, I, it's just a hunch. Um, and so wouldn't it, you know, because sometimes parents can be tough. And if you don't have their support, I imagine self-doubt would really kind of be a reflex. Um, mm -hmm. Is that is that is, is my suspicion correct? Did you feel supported? And Yeah, I mean, they they both were very happy for me to be an artist. Definitely. Um, it was complex. There's complexity there, a lot of complexity, but I didn't have the experience of like, you know, that's not a real career. Go get a law degree. You know, like right. I didn't, I didn't have that. And I'm very fortunate because that would have been hard. That would have been, I mean, there's, there, there's so many people that have had that, you know, where they're like just fundamentally not allowed to be anything but like this narrow idea of who they should be and that inner artist is completely swamped from the get-go that's terrible everybody should be allowed to explore it's important i'm being handed a mochi ice cream this oh nice that's it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god absolutely heaven it's yeah crazy <laughs> <laughs> so while you're mochiing, I will ask you. Um, <laughs> you know, I have some in the freezer. I'm going to happen after I talk to you. Now that you've, I've been inspired. You, you do. Yeah, I What's do. I have, a, I have the green tea. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. right. That's the look, but not great. This I is mean, the. Which one time. is this? This is this is the absolute mess. This is vanilla. It's so good. Disgusting. <laughs> But great, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for a napkin to get handed to you now. Mm -mm. No, that's one step too far. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just figure it out. Oh, I've got, I've got something. Um, no, you're good. So what is your, what is your next question? I was thinking about about you know being a parent and uh, friends of mine who have young children are in that place where it's sort of like, I've got this beautiful blank canvas in front of me and I'm so afraid. This gets back to you suck. I'm so afraid that I'm going to blow it, you know, and I make mistakes. They tell me they make mistakes every day and they, and it's just, it, it's yeah. wrenching to them. Do you feel that kind of like, got to get it right all the time and, and you're not going to, but. Yeah. I mean, of course it's scary. Um, and in my limited understanding of, um, of of therapy and things like that you know everything comes down to this time and i think you know when i'm on my phone i'm like oh god i'm not you know i'm not there with her does she feel abandoned or you know like and there, there's loads of things and loads of tiny decisions that you have to make every at every point in the day and you don't necessarily know if that's right and you don't know if you're missing something or missing something key that they're trying to tell you but um, I think you can drive yourself absolutely crazy and you're still going to get things wrong. So I guess where I'm trying to um, parent from is a place of openness 
and trying to retain humility and um and like I know I need to be someone that guides and like offers support and and a kind of clean space to grow up in mentally you know like like trying to keep trauma minimal and be there but also just I'm gonna I, I'm looking forward to the day when I can start to hear what I've done wrong even though it'll be hard but apologizing is goes a long way mm. going like yeah oh I did that and I didn't realize that that was going to have a bad effect on you and I'm sorry and like how can I learn and let's figure this out you know I think like this um somebody a friend of mine i think it was yeah she she used the the term rupture and repair and um what i think to in generations before us it was just like rupture and then leave it there and don't talk about it you know that's like there's no repair and then our generation sort of like Oh God, repair, 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 repair in advance, repair, repair, repair. We're so afraid of the rupture, but the rupture is going to happen. So um, it's bits both and that trust and that, and that safety of knowing that you have a parent that will listen to you, I think is really important and will grow and not calcify. Um, and you know we'll get them a good therapist as soon as <laughs> you know i mean like yeah as soon as possible yeah cuz it's important to have it's important to talk about what's going on and have a safe space to do that that isn't necessarily just your parents just yeah, and I, all little things you know like, i agree with you I do. I think that conversation is the enemy of calcification. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and, and with my own parents, like there's been some very different approaches to um, parenting from them. And I can see how one parent will very willingly look at their mistakes and the other one really has a hard time with that and you know like I love them very dearly but it's a little bit easier to work through stuff with the one that can just say that they're sorry um and I think that there's just a lot of fear that blocks that you know but Mm -hmm. um but yeah I just really appreciate it so I want to do that for my kids have you, and this has been a thing for me, you know, I'm 52 and I have probably in the last few years given myself that, that grace to say, Hey, whatever the thing was well done instead of you suck. It's like, I thought you handled that pretty well. I thought that was a good response or you did a good job in my brain. I'm not like, you know, announcing it, but I'm thinking like, it's important to balance out because you suck always shows up. Right. Um, yeah, but about- those, those positive we so 
often neglect to do that, don't we? Yeah. 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 yeah it's it, that's great that you do that. It took a long time, Alison. But do you do you, do you do that for yourself? Do you find that you will, you know, sort of say like, "Hey, here's a little affirmation. Like that was well done. Good." We, I started know. to yeah. I started to in preparing to be a parent because um because there's so much about like how your um mental state can affect your body and can affect this tiny person growing in you so um i had really 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 uh rotten self-talk and i just became very aware of the language i was speaking to myself in and um, and I was like, oh, it's, so it's one thing doing this to just me, but like, this is just going directly into them as well. And that's, you right. know, that's actually pretty uncool. And also this is all preparation for when they can actually hear me muttering this garbage to myself. So I've got to be a bit better. It's totally a work in progress and I'll catch myself just being horrible and like, oh. But you did this thing well. You did this well. Or you handled this well. Or you apologize for this. Or you're going to learn from this. You did this. Yes, that's not great. But you learned from it. And that's good. And it's it's so important. It's, it changes the way that you interact with people around. You know, because if you're constantly like, it's like we think that we get some kind of merit or something for being really nasty to ourselves like we get some kind of badge like oh i'm i'm like a humble person if i'm being really denigrating but Mm -hmm. are we oh i'm getting handed another mochi i think this is going to be a disaster my love i think (laughs) he's doing this this is part this is part love part joke (laughs) because Are you um while you're mochiing? Disaster. That one mm-hmm. makes me worry about your freezer. What ha- what happened? <laughs> no, it's because it's because it was brought in quite a some time ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish people could see this. It really, yeah, it's just sort of um you know, I'm not, I wasn't sure if people could see this. This is a disaster. Yeah, it's a, this. this is all audio. This <laughs> Thank is, God. <laughs> But it's, it's she emotion. has ice cream dripping down her hand. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna smell like sour dairy. Disgusting. <laughs> Do you, have you gotten in in terms of because of the demands of your life? And this is something again. It took me years to get here. But are you good now at saying no in a way that you maybe weren't great at before, or have you always been good at the no? Um. I was not good at no when I was really young, like when I was first um, doing touring and things like that for a fine frenzy. I was not good at saying no. Then I went too far. Then I was all no. No, 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 no. Just no's. Really negative. Um, And now I'm trying to say I'm trying to say yes quite a lot more, mm. but a considered yes. And also knowing when there's knowing where my boundaries are. Um, yeah. It's like swinging the pendulum swung so far and still swings. 
when you were doing the nose, was that a way of you sort of gathering agency for yourself and sort of saying like, take, you know, what, where was that rooted in, in terms of like, I'm just going to throw nose out so, so frequently. It's a control, isn't it? When you feel like you have nothing in your control. I mean, I can see it in my toddler. It's just like, I'm so tiny and the world is big and I rely on other people for everything, but I can say, no, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't. Even if she'll say no. And then, yeah. And then yes, like I'll offer a bite or something. She'll go, no, ah, it's just, it's (laughs) control. It's control. Um, and yeah, I think you can have control in a different way. You can have, it can, I feel like I needed, I had a really intense need for control when I didn't have good boundaries. Mm. The need for control lessens if you have nicely clear and gently upheld boundaries, then, you know, you know, I don't don't have to have such clenched fists. When I first learned to say no, which I'm embarrassed to say happened somewhere around like 44, 45, like how late of a bloomer I was is embarrassing, but my nose would come with explanations. No, because blah, blah, blah. And I learned that you don't have to give an explanation. Yeah. I think that's, (laughs) The, the I think that's the the plight of being a a an empathetic person or you know which kind of the boundaries get blurred because you can see what somebody maybe wants you can feel their need or their want and so you want to give them what they can have so it has to be like no because here so you can get on my side you can understand Right, quite, but a strong statement. But yeah, just just a simple. I, I just can't do that. No, yeah, I can't. I'm I'm really sorry. I can't. Keto. Yeah. that's hard. It's so hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard, but it feels so good to just say, just to say, like, and then you, you're boundarying yourself off and saying, "No, I can't do that. I'm really sorry. That's not going to work for me." Yeah, and we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I'm there yet. I'm still, I think I'm still, there's lots of caveats. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a, I've been thinking so much lately about like David Bowie and I was thinking like Bowie was so smart because he was always protected because David, they would talk about his personas, right? Yeah. David Bowie was a persona himself. Like he wasn't even his real last name. So with you putting this record out under your own name, did that feel, was it particularly vulnerable or did you, or did it, was it a, a feeling of strength where it was sort of like, this is not a fine frenzy. This is me um, because I am not a persona. Although I suppose there's a performative element to it, obviously, but how, yeah. how did that feel? There's a point when for, there was a point for me when the thing that I set up to protect me from, oh, I know, you know, whatever it was a certain kind of attention or a certain kind of, yeah, unwanted light on me that, that that became a point where the hiding felt 
heavy and 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 f- I couldn't figure out where I was in it even though I wasn't hiding but I don't know there was just a, some there was something in in it that f- just felt like tiring and yeah go, deciding to go under my name was really scary at the beginning because um like kind of connected to what I was saying earlier about the wanting to destroy mm. things um with a pseudonym you can just 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 make another one right but when it's your name it's like mm, so <laughs> then what you know uh it's hard to go back from it but yeah I just felt like I wanted to be I just wanted to be seen um and wanted to discover what like who I was and what 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 there was to see um so yeah it 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 feels actually like I I like a relief now mm. I don't I don't, I I wouldn't want to be a persona for long term i don't know how he did it but that's you know everybody's personality is different being seen and being looked at are two different things and i think when you're when you're first when you first arrive it's like people are looking at you and i think you know um that's different than being visible being seen being observed mm-hmm. for who you are you know yeah you can be looked at and not be seen at all right yeah that's true that's an interesting point it's an interesting distinction yeah that and you can be looked at and sort of looked at in a way that is quite graspy from that that eye or that gaze. Um, whereas if you're standing there being willing to be seen, you are you hold power. You're giving something, but like it's not being taken from you. Right. That's right. That's right. And when you're being looked at, you're the things you want to be seen are completely can be invisible can be you being looked at in a way that's not the way you want to be looked at as an artist i know it's hard to control that but and i don't know what that look is whether it's predatory or it's whatever it is i don't know what it is just missing the point even um yeah oh god it's that is really weirdly painful just missing the point yeah it's really tough I know that feeling very well. It's yeah. And I think in my in my youth I tried to really accentuate certain characteristics of myself that I felt comfortable with that I thought would again be some kind of protective layer against being misunderstood but then those things became what I was um identified as and then I was like wait but that's just those aren't that's a caricature you know like right I don't live in the forest guys I don't and I don't and I'm not always melancholy and I don't yeah I don't know there's like the word ethereal is quite weird when you're a human being and it's you're being described as ethereal because it just it just means that like all of your dirt and your grit and your heart and your blood and your mess 
where does that fit in ethereal? That's not nowhere. Literally nowhere. Literally nowhere. Right. You're a heavenly. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Living up in living (laughs) up in some like you know sort of opalescent sunrise town. You know. Yeah. You become a heavenly, uh, heavenly being. Yeah, which is a lovely, it's a lovely word to have be applied to, but it's actually strange to to be 22 and have words like that pasted on and then be like, oh, so I guess I've got to be these things. But like, I, you know, you should see my storage unit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't fit. <laughs> Absolute freaking disaster. Not very ethereal at all. No. That is hellish, hellish, in fact. Horror story. Yeah. So, um, but, but again, I mean, the, uh, uh, somebody said to me recently, like, um, in no career are people meant to peak maybe an athlete, but like in no other career really are you meant to peak in your early twenties, you know, that there's just so much you have to find out and have to live into in order to become an artist that knows who they are. That's right. And ethereal is a reductive way of describing someone's art because like you're saying the, the process to sort of wrestle those ethereal elements from the ether or from the sort of the cosmos is a fight. It's a, it's a grapple. Totally a grapple. It's totally a fight. And if, even if something did come out sounding ethereal, yeah. Yeah. You do, you do reduce it down to just the surface layer. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. And it makes it makes me think of any other artist that I've had that image of, and you go, "Oh, interesting." I've because I've done that too. I've done that to other people. I think they live in some perfect palace, you know? Yeah, like like Joanna Newsom. It's like I imagine this sort of gilded, heavenly <laughs> estate. Yeah. You know, but also living in like with a wood, like a wood cabin in some <laughs> very long. I remember when the Cocteau Twins, um, their last record came out in like '93. It was the one with Heaven or Las Vegas, and I was a young journalist at the time, and I had to write a review. And I thought to myself, "Don't use the word ethereal." And I remember just staring at you know the paper for like an hour, and finally I went ethereal. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. It might have been oh, a little yeah. bit lazy. I is. Maybe as sometimes that might be part of it. No, I understand. I mean, Cocteau Twins. It's funny. This is the second time Cocteau Twins have come up today. Really? Um, yeah, weirdly. I mean, they're like one of my favorite bands, but but like, yeah, but that is random. Someone's named after a Cocteau Twins song. Um, um, our editor, actually, on the music video. Really? Named after a Cocteau Twins song, yeah. Um, but... Um, I understand Cocteau Twins is really difficult. But also because she's not even necessarily singing in English. Right. Right. You're like, where do you actually come from, though? 
I know. I know. I don't know what those, they're just amazing. I don't know what they are. No, they're, they're kind of in another, they are in another land. I know. I know. That album is so good. Isn't that a great album? Yeah. I know. It might be my favorite, oddly enough, which causes a lot of purists to, to shake their heads, but I just love that record. Why would they, why would purists shake their heads? I think because it might be maybe it's their most accessible radio wise. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing, but um, We're pretty far out there. Pretty far out there. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that tour and it was like, whoa. Oh, wow. It amazing. No, yeah, it was amazing. The musicality and the, the, the world building they do just take you somewhere else completely, don't they? That must have been cool. I had Robin Guthrie on the show and he was lo- a lovely man. Really? He was lovely. Yeah. You call him ethereal. I did not. <laughs> I think he would have been less lovely if I, if I called him ethereal, <laughs> but he was a truly lovely person. And um, oh, yeah, it was a great, it was a great chat, but yeah, I love them too. I love that band. And I think like they defy words, you know, and, and it is, it is easy to, you know, it's easy to be reductive when you talk about stuff that's hard to, to um articulate because it's just so spellbindingly weird and beautiful and otherworldly mm-hmm. i guess you know english so. is limited english is limited yeah it is and so feeling is first like, and what so and feel and feeling is first right so you, yeah. right yeah and so you have to kind of cobble together what you can that's that's what's amazing about making music is that you can you have yes you have the lyrics and lyrics are really important to me but then you also have the tone of the tone of voice and you have the tones of the instruments and then you have the the atmosphere and you have the way everything interacts and you have the room and there are all of these other things beyond just words that you can use to catch something so it's not just words yeah it's intense Mm. it's have you have you noticed this? I I was I worked on a new poem last week and I, I was trying to finish it and I couldn't finish it. And I eventually did, but I at the time I thought I could feel my old reflexes of, well, you could just do this and and no one will know. But I thought, but I'll know. It has to be better than anything I've done before. It has to go that new direction. I don't want to go backwards. When you're writing, do you sometimes feel the old reflex of oh, I could just put that in there? Or do you and do you hold yourself to a higher standard each time that you that you write a, the, the lyrics? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I get stuck sometimes because, like, um, it is easy to fall into traps. I collaborate a lot, mm-hmm. and that helps me. Um, but also, I think that's just an invitation to go deeper. I, sometimes, if you're trying to be more interesting or different, I feel like you can just try and be interesting or different, and that's can mean that you write something that maybe doesn't feel re- like resonates, but I feel like as long as you're trying to dig underneath what is easily readily accessible, there'll be something there that is surprising mm-hmm. um, rather than because anytime I try and be clever, I'm usually like, Oh, it makes it feels like it makes it feels like I've eaten something bad, <laughs> <laughs> like a contrivance. 
yeah it just doesn't sit well yeah um because i can hear myself trying to yeah trying to do something that isn't authentic so um but it's it's always the it's always hard it always seems like you're never gonna write anything new or interesting i know always but we just that's what you just do but it's not easy do you a mess no well resistance (laughs) you do that thing where you where you write something new and then you'll go okay well if that was the last one it was i'm glad that this was it that like all right i expect this never to happen again but at least i got this one yeah i mean that's great that you feel that (laughs) i'm always like oh i gotta i just gotta keep going I never feel like I'm going to get there. But you, uh, yeah, I feel I consider it, uh, myself really lucky when I can be like, that's the best I could do then. That's the best I could do in capturing this. And I've done it enough to know that, um, that I have to capture the moment that is rather than waiting till it's perfect because the moment will pass and you, you didn't catch the moment that was there. Mm. Yeah. So that's frustrating because it always seems like it's going to be better in about two years, but it's just different. What about the feeling where you you're trying to finish something and you can't, and you know, you'll get back to it, but then you have to go live your life, like fold the laundry or, you know, um, be with your child, have some mochi, live a, live a life. Um, I'm so sticky. (laughs) And you have to leave the art. And you have yeah. to become you have to become a civilian for the time being. Is that a hard yeah. process for you? Yeah, but it's just part of it. Yeah, because uh, most of the time I feel like that's when I, when I'm not thinking about it so hard. That's when I'm like, oh, oh, okay, you know, like an idea will come, and I'm just trying to grab from my phone or a piece of paper or whatever. Um, because sometimes when I'm I feel like I'm chipping away at something and incessantly I can't see it anymore and I can't think anymore. I'm just on it. So a little bit of perspective, a little bit of life. It's all, it's all connected. That's, that's maybe what, again, as a more mature artist realize it's, yeah, it's not really, a time where it's on or a time where it's off or a time where it's real life and a time where it's art life, you know, it's just life. <laughs> I know that you have to get back to your life and I, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Um, oh, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for such lovely, lo- lovely talk. And again, I'm so sorry that I was so late. I'm so pleased that you were there. Oh, I am too. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you. I'm, I'm so happy we were able to make it work. Um, and thank you for, for staying up late and, and doing this for me. Pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure.
It really was a pleasure. She's lovely. What a lovely, charming, charismatic, and thoughtful person. We'll bring her back. She was she was fabulous. And her new album, Still Comes the Night, is remarkable. You need it in your life. Get it. AllisonSudol.com. One L on both sides of that. A-L-I-S-O-N-S-U-D-O-L.com. Order it. Buy it for a friend. Buy it for all your friends. And uh, you'll be the richer for it. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. You can also follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast. I'm still on Twitter, but not for very much longer. So what's the point of giving you my handle? That place is turning into a weird graveyard of, uh, well, not even a graveyard. It's turning into a weird minefield of uh, monstrous talk. I logged on the other day, and it was just hate speech and uh, awful opinions about everything. And I'm like, look, I just wanted to find out if the trash cans and nachos are playing in San Francisco. I don't want to hear all this stuff. Anyway, uh, don't bother. Don't even bother finding me there. Just stick to the Instagram for now, or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Check out BombshellRadio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. What else do I have to tell you? Oh, Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell all your friends we'd appreciate it. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Peaches from Allison Sudol's marvelous new album, Still Come the Night. You know, I think I added an S earlier. It's not Still Comes the Night. It's Still Come the Night. I'm an idiot. Forget the S. Keep it singular, and uh, we'll be good. And no one will be mad at me. All right. Peaches from Still Come the Night by Allison Sudol. Enjoy it, and thank you as always for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. What a feeling, oh my, in dreams I see her face all night, all Sleep.
faithful 